When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Ake Woman podcast. Just a heads up, this episode was taped at a time the U.S. made history by nominating a woman of color as the vice presidential candidate. By breaking the mold, Kamala Harris is a real inspiration to minority women. Ake Woman brings you stories of diasporic women who've overcome obstacles and achieved success. Today, we speak with world-famous artist Sujata Bajaj, who left the cocoon of her homeland to storm the bastions of France, where even the language was new. Though Sujata lives in Paris, her journey began in Rajasthan's pink city, Jaipur. This vibrant and colorful city possibly influenced the young Sujata. She discovered her talent as a child and with a little nudge from her brother, veered away from a career in medicine to pursue art at Pune's Essendati College. A chance meeting with the iconic Raza of Bombay Progressive Artists Group changed the course of her life, taking her to École Nationale de Beaux Arts in Paris. The city of love led her to Rune Larsen, her Norwegian husband. Their daughter, Helena, is also in the arts. Sujatha has participated in many solo and group shows and received numerous awards. Her work is sought by top art connoisseurs and been showcased in cities like Tokyo, Shanghai and even London's House of Lords. Sujatha now divides her time between France, India and Norway. But she has many fantastic stories. So instead of listening to me, I'll let this versatile artist share her journey with us. Bonjour Sujatha. Bonjour. Hi. What languages do you speak? I speak, of course, English, French, and Indian languages like Hindi, Marathi, Gujarati, Marwadi. People are influenced by their upbringing. I know it's the case with me. Yours was quite unusual. So can you share highlights of your childhood that shaped this woman that you've become? I can relate everything to my childhood when I think about it today. I was born in a Gandhian family in Jaipur, but my parents lived in Vardha at that time. I was surrounded by India's richness, big people, intellectuals. One side Vinoba Bhave, other side Kaka Saheb Kalelkar, Dada Dharmadikar. Somebody treating me like their child, somebody like granddaughter. But Kaka Saheb Kalelkar had a ritual that when he came to Vardha for his meetings, he first from the station came straight in Tanga to Gopuri. He told me a story. He did all his work for day two, three. And then he came back to me, told me a story and then went back to the station. Those small stories, what you learn from them, very simple life. Didn't have many toys, I didn't have many clothes. Vinobaji used to call me Chitrakarani. 
since I was like six years old, because sometimes I used to do sketches and do things in the ashram. I'd made like garbage cans for everybody. These things are really, really given me tremendous sense of belonging. I shouldn't try to be something else or somebody else than what I am, because that's what keeps you rooted and gives you the strength. Every morning, we had to by heart one chapter of Gita and recite it in front of Vinobaji. Can you imagine the amount of concentration power? You have to do it. You have no choice. So I think it just gives a very strong personality. On the other side, my mother was like a pillar, a very strong woman. She always told me, don't compare yourself with anyone. See what you have. What best you can do out of it. Work hard. I never compared myself with anybody or somebody has something. Why don't I have that? I think when we're growing up, we're always trying to please others. As somebody who's past her 50s now, I'm finally doing things for myself. My mom was a huge support system to me too. She was the one who encouraged me that you need to study hard so that you can work and be financially independent. After my marriage collapsed and I moved to New York, She's the one who said, don't worry about us. Go and lead your life now. So you were asked to study a chapter of the Gita. How was it explained to you? They used to explain us what are really the core things of our life. If you really study Gita and if you understand, it's a life support. I'm not a ritualistic person, but I'm very much a faith-based spiritual person. What I learned that you do your best. But then you don't go crazy for results. I never thought in my growing years, I want to become this or I want to earn that much money. I wanted to really completely devote myself to my work and my art. We know that you were thinking of going into medicine. Would you ever think what it could have been if it hadn't been for your brother and then Raza, where your life would have gone? I think I would have gone to art in any way. You would have. I wanted to do something good for society. So I always used to think that medicine is one direction which you can earn money and do your own stuff at the same time you do service to others. I come from a social worker family, so you should serve, do something for your country or a people. But then everybody was in the opinion and I've always had art. I think I would have gone for art only. Yeah, I don't see any other way myself, you know, no. When I look back on my life, I made a lot of wrong career choices and now I think I'm doing what I love. But tell me about meeting Razab. How did you feel when you first met him and did you realize that this is going to profoundly impact the rest of your life? I did my bachelor's in Pune in art. I did my master's in Pune in painting and I had topped in the university and got this scholarship. People said, why don't you do PhD? And my subject was the special features of Indian tribal art and its influences on the contemporary trends of art. I was very deeply interested in Indian tribals because my father being a social worker, I used to go with him, visit these villages, see all these doodlings and paintings on the walls. And I was always very curious that how come art is so much a part of their life, which was amazing. So I chose four tribes, Barli from Maharashtra because I lived in Pune. Then I had Bheels from Rajasthan because I'm from Rajasthan and they are very colorful. And then I had Saura from Orissa because they were the remotest who do amazing artworks on their walls. And then I had Maria Murias from Bastar because that was another very remote area. When I was doing the last chapter of my PhD, I had interviewed all the top artists of India 
the only person who was left was raza so one day i was in a jahangir art gallery and suddenly somebody said oh wo dekho raza hai so i said oh my gosh that's my chance i rushed to him and i said raza sahab i said four five six time raza sahab raza sahab he didn't pay any attention i pulled his sleeves i said raza sahab so he was so shocked this young kid who is pulling my sleeves you know so i said listen i need your half an hour i just want to ask you a couple of questions because i'm just finishing my last chapter of phd i want your interview so we immediately went to samovar and i asked him the questions and then he said will you have lunch with me the next day i said of course so we had our lunch in c lounge in uh, taj and while having lunch he asked me one question he said oh so you want to become a teacher or what do you want to become i said no 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 phd is just for my own pleasure it's for myself it's not for anybody else so he said what do you do so i said i'm an artist i'm a painter really i want to see your work so i said but my works are in pune he said doesn't matter let's go you will not believe in those days we came down straight from c lounge and took that khadkhad karta hua taxi and went straight to pune I don't even remember how many hours it took us and we reached Pune he saw the work and then he became very serious he said you have to come to paris you have no choice so i said rajesh sir we are joking as if coming to paris is like going from bombay to pune so he said you going to come to paris then he left so i applied for a french government scholarship finally in 1988 just after i finished my phd i got this scholarship So I landed up in Paris. I still remember it was twenty second of October, nineteen eighty eight. Gare du Nord station. Raza was standing there to receive me, Allah, and he drove me to my hostel room. That's such an incredible story. I guess, in a sense, we're lucky that you had Raza, who encouraged you to get out of your comfort zone in India and try out new adventures in Paris. I remember the first time I left India to study abroad. I was in Canada and. I was fascinated by the snow. I would walk around with my tongue out to try and catch the snowflakes. How were your first days in Paris? Actually, it's very strange. When I reached Paris station, Raza was there to receive me. We were just going through Paris before reaching my room. I felt as if I know this city so well, as if this is my city, and it was like a love at first sight. It's amazing. I never felt stranger or a tourist. I didn't speak much French but then I said to myself this is not my language I started to talk even if I do 25 mistakes in 20 words I don't need to be perfect it'll come if it comes and no apologies either yeah I'm at least trying you're not trying hindi how long did it take you to become comfortable in speaking french I got comfortable very fast even with my broken french everybody found it so charming and one thing i have to tell you that i really felt i'm brahmin in paris because when you are an artist and french love india so i am indian to start with on top of that i am an artist i always wear indian clothes every morning when i get up i have to feel that one craftsman has got a job in india so i always wear khadi and then handloom nothing more than that super winter or super summer or whatever people just loved me they just hugged me and i think that helped because i was an artist was it easy or difficult to find a footing especially in paris which is almost like an art capital of the world there is a paradox here it was very easy to find a footing being an artist for me as a person but french people are very critical they are very difficult I'm not their artist I'm not from their country 
so i had to be much much better than french can be at my stage to be appreciated or accepted the french would have had no choice but to have accepted you did it help that you had a mentor like raza raza sir loved my work he liked me because he had a lot of respect for my parents for my family and he was very indian so my indian values i'm sure must have been precious for him rune me helena we were like his family and he was our family he had told my father when i left india i am there for her if there is anything she requires so he was my local guardian over the course of your life you've moved between various countries where do you feel most at home and why tell you the truth even today the most at home i feel as soon as i land in india is there a particular place in india where you feel most at home initially it's pune but i feel very good in bombay because see my career moved to bombay first big shows in jahangir art galleries and then you saw all the exhibitions there you grow there people came to know you through bombay through jahangir the jahangir steps are like going to temple paris embraced you and your art and your work and you got known in paris how about europe any particular country that loves you more norwegians simply love me my husband says that he has never seen norwegians queuing up i'm showing in norway since 92 Norwegians are very reserved they don't speak much or they don't come but through my art i really realized they loved me and they loved my painting so my last show i had invited all my collectors for dinner where i lived for 5 years in stavanger so i made a whole vegetarian dinner for them in the gallery and 185 people came they were two indians myself and one more the rest either norwegians or europeans you enjoy cooking I love cooking. For me my spice box is like a color palette. Tell you a small story? Yeah. I went to Stavanger with my husband where he joined the university, you know, and we were supposed to stay for 4 5 years. I didn't know a single person. I said now how can I come to know some interesting crowd? I started to give vegetarian cooking classes. And so many people started to come. It became so successful. They all used to come. We used to all sit on the floor and eat. One day one girl saw my painting on the wall and she asked me oh so do you paint also after she left i told my husband i said rune this is the last day of my cooking class <laughs> we have to talk about rune how did you meet him this girl who was brought up in this gandian atmosphere you know you just went and tied the knot with a norwegian can you imagine yeah. <laughs> actually you know what happened that uh, rune was a director of norwegian house in sita university and i was in maison de land staying there but we never met though these two houses were next to each other these two buildings but i never saw him he never saw me before leaving there was one very big exhibition of seven international artists like one was american one was japanese i was representing india and the poster was amazing so we were sitting on a seven branches seven artists high up in the branches and the photo was taken and that was a life size poster which was put all over in paris so that made thousands of people come to that show i had my three paintings so the curator said sujata you have sold one sujata was high then he came and said sujata you sold second sujata was little bit more high and then sujata you sold your third work then sujata was like so high suddenly he says the person who has bought the third work he wants to meet you i said yeah yeah of course no problem so i see one 
very tall Norwegian standing in front of me and he says, I love your work. Can you deliver the painting to my place after the show is over? I said, oh, yeah, wherever you say, I'll get the painting and deliver it to you. I came to know that he's just next door to me, like two minutes of work. So when the show got over, I took the painting and I delivered the painting. So he says that he has only bought the painting. Artist has come free with the painting. That's the way we met. Yeah. And then I told him, I said, listen, I'm very Indian. I'm vegetarian. I love my these clothes. This is the way I dress up every day. I come from Gandhian family. So you, it's better that you come and see my background because it's very easy to meet in a cafe. So he came to India and he went to Vardha. He stayed in Ashram also. He stayed in our house also, met my parents, everybody. Then he came back and then he came again. He learned a little bit Hindi to talk to my mother. And then one day he asked my father, Baba, mujhe aapki beti se shadi karni hai. So he actually understood how he should go about it and what he should do about it, you know. Ma asked him one day, Rune ji, aapko Hindustan mein sabse achha kya lagta hai? So he said, aapki beti. Then can you imagine who can resist? That was a huge risk. And I'm just saying because I also studied abroad and also had a non-Indian boyfriend, but I knew my parents would be really upset. So Shasa, how long were you and Rune together before you actually thought, okay, let me take him to meet my parents? My parents always told me that we don't mind you marrying anybody, but he should be a very good human being. When I liked Rune, I told my parents that I like one Norwegian boy and I feel that he's the person for me because I always believe that the day I meet somebody who's for me, I'll feel it. I didn't want to marry just for marrying. I'm an artist. I am a free bird. I want to marry a person who takes me on an equal level. My father asked me one question. He said, are you sure about your feelings, Sujata? I said, yes, I'm sure. So he said, then you go ahead. We are with you. Between Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You and Rune, has there been any clash of cultures? How have you adjusted? How does he adjust? It was easier with my family, but it was not very easy with his family to start with because they didn't know much about India. The only thing Norwegians knew about India it was like a third world country. So they thought that their son has been trapped. <laughs> so, so, you know, so they said they had nothing against me, but for them, everything was strange. It all changed when they came to Pune for my wedding. But to answer your question, I think that marriages like ours, what is very, very important is communication. That is the key because you cannot take anything for granted. Just a small example. If I say to an Indian, Ananta Chaturdashi, he understands, I understand. There's nothing much to explain there. 
But if I say to Norwegian husband, I have to explain him. You have to be very careful that you come from very different cultures, different backgrounds and very different upbringing. Because upbringing can have a lot of clashes, you know. I think is very, very important to be able to explain. If you've not understood, ask 10 times and understand. Rune understood how Ganpati is important for me, how this form is important for me. He understands I'm not a very religious person, but I'm more a spiritual and a more a faith-based person. When I do my Aarti, he does it with me. He'll ask me to wait. When he comes, then we do Aarti. We are married for so many years. Initially, I took him to my Ganpati temple in Jaipur, which was my childhood memory. Everything one doesn't need to understand. Certain things are for you, certain things his own are for him, you know. So, I think you have to give a space to each other. You and Rune have a daughter. How has Helena absorbed these two very different cultures into her life? In France, automatically father's name goes, like Helena Larson. Rune said no, she's our daughter, so we'll have both the names, Helena Bajaj Larson. Then Rune said, I want Helena to learn Hindi. I said, I want Helena to learn Norwegian. So he spoke to Helena only in Norwegian. I spoke to Helena only in Hindi. If she didn't answer me, I pretended as if I've not heard anything. My parents were always thankful they can communicate with her. And then Rune spoke to her in Norwegian. We put her in a French school because we are in Paris. At home, we speak in English. That was the first step to make her into an international person. And then, of course, we travel a lot. She's been all over with me. So she did her project in Parsons on Khadi, you know. She went to Varda. She read about it, read about her roots, my roots, everything. What about the Norwegian part of her culture? She lived in Norway for five years when she was a kid. She speaks Norwegian and she likes some Norwegian things. She's a vegetarian, so the most of the Norwegian food is not for her. But she enjoys going to Norway. She loves Norwegian nature. Her grandmother died very early when she was really a small kid. Every year she went to meet her grandfather. And you celebrate Christmas? Yeah, we celebrate Christmas. We make a Christmas tree, me, Helena both, do a decoration in our own way. Sometimes we create decorations. Then... Since Helena was small, I told her that you are not allowed to buy any gift. If you want to gift anything to anyone, either it's a friend or a school teacher or a mother, father, cousin, uncle or anybody, you have to make it yourself. So she learned to make cards, making small gifts, got into her craft, into a little bit more into art. And in my studio, I had one corner where she used to sit. She knew when I'm in this corner, mama is working. It's a little tough sometimes, you know, because you have to do everything yourself. It's tough. As an artist, a wife and a mother, what adjustments did you make? It was a lot for me, but I think she enjoyed. When you live in Paris, you don't have any help either. My household is 100% vegetarian. Because when we got married, my husband told me that, Sujata, you have never eaten non-vegetarian food. You have never cooked. You have never seen in your kitchen. So let's keep this household as purely vegetarian. When I want to have my fish, when we go out, I can eat. I felt for his generous gesture that I have to take a responsibility that food should be interesting in the house. All said and done, artist life is not easy. It's always up and down. You have to decide that you have to put more emphasis on the positive instead of wasting your time on things which are not okay or which are troubling you. It's a choice all the time we have to make. Eight Women is about creating a community of women a sisterhood. 
it's not easy leaving your home country going abroad learning a new language adopting a different type of culture and raising yourself your family in that kind of an environment you're always on your toe are there other indian women other diasporic women who've come to paris who you reached out to see not just of women but the young students they call me sometimes art students so their questions should we become an artist or not so i always told them to become a creative person either is musician or a dancer or a singer or a painter you have to be very very deeply passionate about it you really need to believe that this is what you really want to do because it's not easy it's not like that you start today and tomorrow you are hussein no it's not there are so many times in your life you are weak and you feel oh enough leave it now it's too complicated it's too difficult so it's very very important that you are very strong so i talk a lot with younger artists students uh the how they feel how they think about it if you don't find your own language as an artist till then you are not an artist let's talk about ganesh one of the hindu deities that has really impacted you how have you taken ganesh with you from india managed to retain ganesh with you in paris and how has paris india your different culture shaped the artist that you've become actually i never left india when i decided to marry rune and i had to leave india i was crying so one day my mother told me why are you crying india is backyard paris france is front yard i said to myself what is she saying has a lot of sense the people come sit staying in delhi or in calcutta don't go more than 3 4 times to bombay i go four times a year to india for me paris became a extension of india I never felt homesick. I never had any identity crisis because I always felt connected to my roots. Rather, I learned things from other cultures and other places like Norway or France. Whatever good I can take and make it a part of me, yes. But I never felt that I am losing what I have. I found my artistic vocabulary in Paris, my artistic language, where I can say yes, this is me. Let's go back to Ganesha. I lived in Jaipur. This Ganesh ji's temple was very close to my place. So every Wednesday, I used to go with my friends to that temple and always get fascinated by that orange color. I just used to go there and absorb all the colors around me, the forms around me. I always felt that this is the only form which exists today that every artist is challenged by, and every artist, every craftsman, every folk artist commercial artist abstract artist decorative artist figurative artist they create in their own way and every time when it's reproduced it comes in a different way it's never similar so this form is a powerhouse of creativity it's amazing it's unbelievable there's one small story i was in vardha My father was much much older than me. He was almost like the age of my grandfather. So I was taking him on my scooter. I still remember it was Vespa. I was driving and he was sitting behind, and I was taking him to Pawnar Ashram, Vinobaji's ashram, and we met with an accident. I was very badly hurt. Doctors told me not to move for six weeks. First one or two days, I cried. I said to myself, "Oh, what's happening? Now what I will do?" The fourth day, I told my father's secretary, "I said, can you get me some blank papers and a pen?" he got the cheapest quality of paper the pen was so horrible the first drawing i started was ganesha 
and the last drawing was Ganesha and during this period I had a couple of hundred drawings of Ganesha and each drawing was different. That made me understand the power, the intensity of this form. This form became my support, my inspiration. Basically, I'm an abstract artist. That is what I'm known for. But this is something which is my personal journey. And some 15 years ago, one very big collector came from Bombay. He sat in my living room in Paris and he said, Sujata, uh, please give me all your Ganeshas. He kept a blank check in front of me and he said, put whatever you want on it. I said, no, this is my personal thing. This is something I did for myself and uh, I'm not going to sell it. Raja Sab used to come every week to see them because he used to feel very inspired with that. My husband used to love them and a couple of few people who saw it used to love it. So that man sitting on that sofa took a promise from me that I will make a huge book and I will do a huge body of work on Ganesha and make an exhibition in Bombay and he will be the first person to buy it. And we did that. Every time I miss your paintings, I look through my Sujata Bajaj book. When you talk about Ganesh, I think about the fact that Ganesh is about building a community. He's India's biggest ambassador in the world. And why do you say that? I'm living in Paris almost 30 years now. If I talk to any French person, I will not find a one who doesn't know about Ganesha. Not one. He brings communities together. Maybe eight women should adopt Ganesh as a mascot. Do artists ever switch off? Do you have a favorite non-art activity? I love walking. One day a week, we used to just take off, walk in one particular area of Paris, 7, 8, 9, 10 kilometers, see whatever new in that area or eat in a small cafe. I'm a big traveler from Peru to China to Japan to Africa. I love like Savannah, just drives me crazy. I go to Africa, Serengeti to Namibia. It's amazing. Huge voids and that peace and that silence. And, you know, I love Norwegian nature. So, so I think something which I love to spend time with, that can be the nature. I can sit next to the ocean for eight hours without doing anything, just listening to the ocean. I can just imagine as an artist, how much nature must inspire you. In Norway, every second, the clouds are changing their form, different form, different colors. So I always used to say I look up more in Norway because it's so fascinating, those colors and those forms. What's your favorite color? For painting, it's red. For me, personally, it's green. Is there a reason for you to have these favorite colors? Yeah, I always say I'm a woman of color and colors. I like that. I love all the bright colors. I'm not a person of pastel colors, but all the basic colors we find in nature. There's an interesting story you tell about a color that you're searching for a particular shade of color. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I wanted to work with one particular orange to restart working on Ganesha. I must have bought some 50 oranges in Paris from all the shops around. I couldn't find that particular orange which I wanted, which was in my memory from Rajasthan. One day, I get up middle of the night and said, Sujata, that orange which you had bought eight years ago, it's lying in your cupboard. Just start working with that. I'm a very minimalist person, so you will not see any mess around me. I have one huge cupboard in my studio, so I put everything inside because I don't want anything outside when I'm working very zen. I put that whole cupboard on the floor. <laughs> oh, wow. 
I found that orange and I started to work with that orange. I have a feeling sometimes that I breathe, I live, I eat colors. It's it's very, very me. I don't think I can explain it, but it's from inside. That's why your cooking is a color palette. It's all about women of color and colors. Absolutely. I'd like to do a rapid fire round. What's your favorite medium? At present, acrylic. Your favorite cuisine? Indian. Your favorite holiday? By the ocean or African savanna. Art to you means? Everything. It's me. Finally, what's been the biggest influence in your life? My mother. Sujata, on behalf of my colleague Medha Jai Shankar and me, thank you for taking time to speak with Ekwomen and sharing your delightful stories. For all our listeners, you can catch this and previous podcasts on Ekwomen Global on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. Messi, thank you so much for having me. I hope my colors can give something to people.